I want to welcome everybody to the first episode of the American Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. Uh, joining us today is co-host Aaron, New Mexico Adventure Outdoor Specialist, as we like to call him. Uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome, Aaron. We've, this is our third try at our first podcast. We've had some technical difficulties, so... We are uh, third time's a charm. We're going to roll real quick, give a quick intro on who I am. We're going to do a little info on Aaron and then kind of just tell everybody what we do. So real quick, uh, Ryan Engelking, I live in currently live in Kansas uh, from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I also lived in Wisconsin for a little while, but uh, my journeys are taking me to New Albany, Indiana next week where I will be working for Stewart Creek Outfitters, and uh, they also own Stewart Creek Whitetails, home of the Rock. He is a whitetail deer, year and a half old, and he's roughly 288 to 300 inches. I I have to get with my boss, um, get the official score on that. But um, so big adventures for us. We're going to take the podcast with us. Uh, that's free range whitetail, free range turkey, and then we do all of our high fence exotics, which you know. That's an all-year-round thing for everybody. It's super popular, super fun. Um, but just uh, real quick, I also I own currently own Dodge City Exotic Hunting Outdoors here in uh, Dodge City, Kansas. American Outdoors Club, where we do uh, weekly giveaways. If you haven't signed up, sign up. You know, uh, I've met Aaron through the Dodge Hunting side of things, and to say the last, he's probably one of the more experienced and meticulous hunters I've worked with in a long time. And that's why we talked and decided to join this podcast together. So Aaron, uh, I know you're from Pennsylvania. You currently reside in New Mexico. Please just kind of give us a few minutes of who you are and what you do. Man, I I feel under gun with that resume you, you have there, Ryan. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm not just Um, a pretty face. You know, you go. I got to got to give it all. So anyway, tell us about you real quick. What you got? So, yeah, like you're saying, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Uh, I grew up south central there, midway point of the Appalachian Trail. Grew up hunting, fishing, hiking. I mean, 24-7, wind, snow, rain. I was always in it. Just loved it. Um, kind of raised up in that lifestyle too, being poor, you know, that's just what we did and that's how you got food on the table as well. So that was equally as, as important to the family. And, uh, we, um, moved, moved on from there myself, 17, 18 years old, joined the military, got stationed in Fort Carson, Colorado, and, uh, kind of got captured out West, saw the big mountains and went from the AT to the PCT. So that's kind of out this way, you know, not far from this neck of the woods and, that's the big West coast trail. So yeah, hiking, hunting, fishing. I mean, all that stuff has always been a huge part of my life. Minus my uh, stint in the military where I did some deployments and other things. I was a a Calvary scout. So I had a real great experience with backpacking gear, optics, um, gear that I didn't want to carry, but I had to anyway, and kind of Help me along the way. So yeah, I've just, I've been able to get out and do that and continue that lifestyle out here. And we kind of got on and we're the perfect storm because you have such a background and 
um, whitetails and farming and ranching and the kind of guests we want to have on. Then you have me on the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm a real backcountry guy and the tools of the trade I'm taking to the field is complete opposite of the guy that's going out for, like you said, a trophy whitetail, some of these hunts. And we're kind of going to mix that together and put everything in one place because it's all hunting and um, get a real good measure and kind of give people an idea of what the differences are, what, what equipment they might want to take in the field, a guy coming from west to east or east to west. So I think we're going to have some great coverage on there. All of it's uh, no nonsense. My background is all hands-on. I've, I've paid the piper, if you will. I've carried the stuff. I've used it. Um, I've put it in Austrian environments, so there's no baloney, no gimmicks, um, no sponsoring. It's This is the stuff that I've used, the stuff that's worked, the stuff that's failed. I've I been, been there for <laughs> bad nothing, so you're going to get some, some info. I love that. No sponsoring. <laughs> and that's a big deal, though, because we are not biased. I, I try to stress that to people, too. I was given nothing. I started my exotic ranch with nothing. I had, you know, friends and family support. And I went to the bank and I built what I have. You know, I have learned the hard way. Oh, my God, have I learned the hard way on some things. And, you know, I got lucky in opportunities. But, you know, just like you, I mean, I listen to what you say nothing's given you know i don't know how these people get so lucky and and sponsors hand them everything my god wouldn't that be wonderful but uh <laughs> you know is what it is i i feel great about the knowledge i've earned you know i'm a knowledge is power and that's something that everybody needs to understand is you know but uh i know something about you that we're going to spread to the listeners that's that's a rare opportunity and that is you got to hunt an oryx over there in the white sands and a lot of people don't understand what that means and the fortunateness of that so why don't you real quick just kind of it's a once in a lifetime tag and if you don't kill an oryx correct me if i'm wrong you don't get to go back i mean you got your tag is that correct yeah, that, that's that's the facts right there the cold hard truth and uh the the fact is yes yeah, some people do leave that place and they don't they don't leave with a, a gems box so I was fortunate enough to be able to harvest and I, I equate that to a lot of the decisions I made prior from um, my firearm selection to uh, the equipment that I took on there with me. Cause it is a once in a lifetime go uh, it's the hunt is three days long, but within that three days you have roughly maybe four to six hour windows on those three days to make it happen. So you're looking at covering miles, what you're going to use and, uh, you better believe in what you have with you when the moment of truth comes, because you got to look at yourself in the mirror when you wake up in the morning. So why do you own, what do you mean four to six hour window? So you're on the uh, white sands missile range for that particular once in a lifetime hunt. So you have a check-in time and a checkout time where Real you can quick, get on there. Explain that's not a, you don't just walk in there. So explain that real quick. What is that? It's a military base, correct? Yep, yep. So the, the White Sands Missile Range there in uh, Alamogordo, it is. It's a military institute. They conduct training and other things like that. Um, what, what happened was back in the 30s to 40s, New Mexico wanted to bring hunting opportunities to areas that otherwise um, didn't have availability. So they brought in different species and some thrived and some not so much. 
And so there are a few different once in a lifetime tags, including elk being one of them that you can uh, acquire in New Mexico through the draw system, or you could spend your entire lifetime trying to draw that tag and may never get it. So I felt really blessed to be able to get that tag. It took me six years of applying and uh, be able to harvest. I was successful on my first day. And uh, once again, like I said, I, I equate that to a lot of the gear I chose to take with me. And I had a lot of confidence in uh, the equipment that went on that trip. So four to six hour windows. Give us the quick rundown. Just I, I mean, you're lucky. Most people will never get that. I mean, and, and not to not to say it's not possible, but, you know, you get on the East Coast, those uh, people don't even they've never even heard of it. You know what I mean? So right. that's why, to me, it's so intriguing because I know there's barberry sheep there that have the same opportunities. And then you also have the Ibex with the same opportunities. So just explain that a little bit to our viewers so that people understand how i mean it's not a game at that point you have it sounds like a four to six hour window each day uh so why is that i mean what do you what's the yeah, deal they, they conduct training you know on there that's um some stuff so you you receive a map and an orientation on your first day and uh you that's where land navigation something i was really big on too i could look at that map it has grid squares and that's something we can cover in a a later podcast but those grid squares and if you're caught in an area that is uh deemed unenterable and you go into it you you'll be escorted off the range if you're caught on there so you're pretty much it is it's a big wide open uh desert with rolling hills and washes and rock faces and whatnot and you're just on your own i mean you're cruising highways you might glass uh from a point stop and see some you know a mile out or 500 yards out you never know what the next turn makes but uh you do so and then you'll be given a checkout time that you need to report back to the gate to be signed out of the uh missile range they know everyone's off there and uh with the oryx it was even particularly hard for myself because i equate good hunters to people that know animal activity kind of their nature if you will if you want to if you want to be a real successful hunter put yourselves in the uh, shoes of your, your prey and chances are you'll, you'll find more success. And I just didn't know how they acted, how they acted at a gunshot, what they did if one of them was hurt. I mean, a lot of things that you can gain experience with over time, whitetail elk hunting. I mean, all these different things, you know, if you shoot a, a deer in the woods and can't get a blood trail, you know, man, this thing's probably going to water nine out of 10. So you're looking in your drainages, your creek systems with, with these animals, I just didn't know how their how their behavior was. So it was it was kind of a whole new experience in itself. But yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a an adventure and a, a heart rush because there's so much pressure. Everybody's counting on you <laughs> that you have. You know, they're like, we want to get our hands on one of these. Yeah. And shot far, you know. You're looking 250 yards plus is probably the closest shot you'll get where your whitetail guy in the woods with the 30 to nine by 40 optic on his, his, uh, trusty yacht six might not fit the bill yeah. for that kind of, shooting, you know, with a hundred yard zero. So just so much stuff we can touch base on down the road. I, I, I particularly am kind of a, a bow hunter. That's my, my favorite, but 
oddly enough, my my real hardcore experience is in long range shooting, MOAs, how to adjust rifles and scopes and optics. I just have a, a ton of knowledge in that from firsthand use and not reading books. So gotcha. that's that's the best part that I think we're gonna get into here. Gonna be like, man, this is this is from grit and sweaty hands, not a not a reading book. Well, so you earn it. I mean, that's that's where it comes back to, you know, it's not given to you, you earn it. But so my mind is killing me on this one. So the Oryx down there, are you walking in sandy deserts? I I mean, what I kind of have an idea what the area looks like, but I mean, that that's got to come down to boot selection. I mean, you're not just going to go out there in a pair of uh, like your Midwest guy who's hunting timber. He's going to is he going to break an ankle? I mean, or can is it is it hard ground, soft ground? Is there trees, shrubs? What's that like there? I, I just have no idea. I've never been there. Terrain-wise, that whole southwest area, you do. You might have some of your tallest bushes are going to be seven foot, and they might just be big thorny uh, scrub oak bushes, and you have a lot of sage. And gotcha. yeah, there'll be soft sand. And if it rains, you have red rock run out everywhere, so it'll be it can get nasty. Um, I'm a big gainer proponent on that. Boot-wise, I mean. The temperature was even warm that time of year. You're never going to get when, down into when the. When, when is that? When did you go? Man, I went in November, but they start hunts there from October, November, and December are gotcha. the uh, three months for that one. So have, I know there are herd species, but like yours, like you shot, is it, did you see 16 of them and it was like, oh my God, or is there just, boom, one was there? They were in quite a herd and we were actually able to gain ground on them. We got them at about 800 yards and was like, oh, man, there's there's a group right there. And we actually used the terrain to play because they were moving away from us. They are so coherent. I mean, you, it seems like you could be a mile away and they're standing there looking right at you no matter what. I'm like, are you kidding yeah. me? And uh, so that's exactly what we did. We used the terrain feature to actually cut them off because they wanted to get away from us at 800 yards, roughly even. And we saw a kind of a drainage and in that drainage that was kind of a snake skirt of trees and shrub oaks in the seven foot roughly estimate and we cruised down the road and got out started running probably i don't know 500 yards or whatever looking in this tree line this little scrub oak line of where we thought they were going to hit well sure enough they were going to use that for cover to try to snake through because even they know you know that it's flat. They're like, we need something. And, uh, we, we got a shot on one. It kept stopping behind a bunch of trash. Um, the first one was a broken horn. So they fight a lot and people that don't know, they're a very rowdy animal and, oh, yeah. uh, break their horns off a lot for being super aggressive. And then you kind of have an African rule. Uh, a lot of guys that have done that, not myself, they call it the, uh, front and low or whatever but their organs are actually up underneath their scapulas and chest to protest them uh protect them from attacks from lions and whatnot so they're super <laughs> super tough animals that's crazy isn't that funny yep. here in the united states we're yep. taking the practices from a lot you know what i mean you, you think about how many times you have to say how's a lion killing oryx yep yep it's consideration it's, when you're hunting in New Mexico that, but you know, I mean, that's an, that's an opportunity and experience that not many people are going to get to have. And you're just luck of the draw, man. That's awesome. But you know, I want to touch on something. You said you're running through there. 
So again, boot selection. I mean, that has got to be so important in a place like that, that if, if you're in the wrong situation, you roll an ankle, your hunt's over. Now you're in the middle of the desert, basically, with a broken ankle and your buddy's got to help you get out of there. Your hunt's done. I mean, it's it's so important to have that knowledge before you go in there and research, research, research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's something big we'll have to get on to yeah. sometime for different things uh, with boots and whatnot and tell people, you know, what might keep you comfortable here ain't going to be comfortable here. Or if you're crossing scree fields to get to a, a hunting grounds that you're you mapped out and you're going to be on flatland most of the time, well, you might want to be more comfortable here or there. So, man, there's there's some good topics and I'm super excited to get on uh point with people about and everything so, so i gotta ask did I, just, you get, I know you got one uh bull or a cow does the permit dictate bull or cow so no it's an either sex tag and uh besides some of the rings in length that's the only way to tell so they have rings at their bases yep. um the, the cows are actually have longer horns correct because they don't than it's the like bull. the scimitar see on the ranch uh our ranch we get scimitars horned orcs the bulls are always beat up because they fight all the time. So people desire the, the females. They have a thinner horn, very, very long, though. I mean, you can get low 40s to mid 40s in a female. Heck, I've only ever seen a bull's, you know, 28, 32. It's a big difference. But yep. they're heavy, big, heavy horns. Yep. So the, the gims buck that you're after sounds like it's the same thing. Yep, yep. All the same species, whether it be the Arabian, the scimitar, all that, they do. The the males have a thicker base and a shorter horn, and probably by design and nature, you know, like you said, they're fighting all the time, and they need that thicker base to butt heads yeah. and everything. So, Isn't it funny yeah, how their eyesight is, though? I mean, they see you coming. There is no doubt about that. They don't smell you. They may, but they see you. I mean, they and their eyesight is incredible. It is. It's very weird. And they don't stand broadside to look or whatever. It's like they know how their chemical makeup is because they will always point their, their rear end towards you and turn their head back in a manner that their all their vitals are protected. It's like they know in their head. That's the only way I ever got them to look at me because I had seen them before that herd uh, maybe three or four times. And man, when they stampede, it's like they just, there's a cloud of dust and those things are roaring. <laughs> just got to practice your Texas heart shot. <laughs> uh, that's, it right there. that's one of my favorite, favorite Ryan Engel King taught things. <laughs> We've had it where people do it on the ranch on black bucks and stuff. They want to do a full body mount and that thing's walking away from them. Boy, they'll put the old Texas heart to them. It doesn't, you don't have a big hole in the Cape. I mean, I get it. I'm not saying I, recommend yeah, yeah. Or, or even uh you know it's say it's a good idea it's just <laughs> different strokes for different folks and and that is what it yeah. is but uh you know i think i'm gonna coin that phrase that's gonna be one of my podcast things with you ryan ingle king favorite thing <laughs> i give it my, Each of my... Of approval <laughs> well i've uh, uh we do some you know exotic hunting is it's becoming so popular. It's so fun, but you just have to understand, you know, what it is. And, you know, one of the things I've done, I learned a huge lesson a couple of years ago, bear hunting, you know, shot placement on, on black bears is not like shot yeah. placement on whitetail, which is not like shot placement on oryx, which is not like shot placement on something else. You, you've got to learn your species and know the, 
like you say, know what you're after. Don't just run out there and think, ah, I'll find a, I'll find a games buck somewhere. It doesn't happen. That yeah. Way. I mean, you, again, education is power, man. Go out there and get some education and then go after them and be successful. If you didn't do that and you didn't get one, you're done. You have to sit the rest of your life and say, I should have, should have practiced. You know what I mean? So, and we can, With anything, man. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't expect results for the work you didn't put in. Right. So we'll, uh, we'll talk more and, and we're going to wrap this one up. You know, we're at the 20 minute mark and we'll, as our podcasts go along, we'll, we'll talk more, we'll learn more. Um, we'll talk a little more with you. And uh, our next guest is actually, uh, I'll get you on with him, is Bob Christensen. He's out of International Falls, Minnesota, and he's a taxidermist up there. So he is amazing. I've seen his work. I've uh, personally hunted with him. The guy has, it's, it's incredible. He does fish, life-size bears. He's done everything. I mean, his shop is awesome. But we're going to have a, a quick little, you know, Let's just like with you, you shot the orcs. Now, what do I do? And I'm going to get Bob. We're going to talk through the steps and uh, talk about how to prep in the field all the way up until it makes it to his shop. And then just a little bit of what he does. So it'll be a good time. Um, we'll get you on for that. And then, uh, but I appreciate you giving the people uh, uh, intro of who you are. I know we didn't touch a lot on it, but we got a lot of podcasts to go and I struggle to stay on task. You know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little scatterbrained. I, well, you, you touch on something and God dang it, I want to know more. And then you get on. To, no. I mean, just like you went from the Appalachian Trail, which we're going to get into that on another podcast. But you made it all the way to Colorado to New Mexico. And that is such a you're not even I mean, that's like apples and oranges, man. They may both be round, but God dang, you're in two. Total, you, got two <laughs> you got two totally different places, different terrain, different environments. And that to me is just so cool. So we definitely will, we'll touch on it more. Appreciate you coming on. And um, again, American Outdoors podcast, we will be uh, non-biased. We do not have sponsors and it's just our opinions, you know, and our experiences. And again, Aaron, you got a quick brief of Aaron's experiences. I mean, it, it is what it is. So appreciate you listening and we'll go from there. Thanks guys. Appreciate you coming. Aaron. Hey, we'll yes, sir. We'll talk to you then, Ryan.